0: For Thursday, April 9th, 2020, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, for one metro Atlanta church, canceling in-person services because of the coronavirus has come with challenges. Though there have been some silver linings. When we have, in 24
1: hours several thousand people watching one of those services on YouTube or Facebook, Uh, that is larger than
0: our typical church attendance on a Sunday. (laughs) The Reverend Joseph McBrayer, associate pastor at Oak Grove United Methodist Church, joins me for a look at how his congregation has adapted to the changes and how they could alter what his church looks like in the future. That's next. Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, providing proactive medical diagnostics to catch deadly or debilitating diseases early, using state-of-the-art equipment to detect warning signs or offer peace of mind. You can take charge of your health at virtualimagingatl.com.
1: You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we.
0: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh
1: Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast
0: from WHYY and NPR. Easter Sunday is normally a time when churches all over are packed. A pandemic, it seems, will change that many churches have adapted to the new realities of the coronavirus by moving services online. Among them, Oak Grove United Methodist Church in Decatur. Here to discuss how that transition is going and what it's meant for his congregation is Joseph McBrayer, Associate Pastor at Oak Grove United Methodist Church. Reverend McBrayer, thank you so much for talking with me.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, Sam. I appreciate y'all's work, and I'm glad to
0: join in the conversation. So, we are speaking, of course, um, in the midst of a pandemic. What has this meant for your church?
1: Yeah, so at Oak Grove, we have been trying to deal like everybody else with all of these changes that have come about as a result of the pandemic. Uh, We have a significant number of uh, adults and uh, young people who are in the vulnerable population groups, uh, as recommended by the CDC and public health officials. And so, Uh, This has changed a lot of of how we gather, and so we have done everything we can to try and shift things to being online. Uh, As far as worship services, uh, we canceled all of our programs and on-campus activities on on the 12th of March. Even below the the 10-person threshold, we wanted to make sure we were doing the absolute best in upholding, really, there's three simple rules in Methodism. Uh, Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God and your neighbor. And so the do no harm, that one's easy, Uh, let's not gather, Uh, do good, how do we help support uh, folks in our neighborhoods and communities who are struggling with this economic part? And then also the how do we stay in love with God and our neighbor? And that physical distancing part of it
0: uh, has made things a bit more complex. Walk me through what this transition has been like for y'all to move from in-person services to remote services, we're, are you using systems that you already had in place? I mean, I know I know many churches already broadcast and do that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so uh, every Sunday morning we have three worship services. Typically, uh, now we're down to two. We have an eight thirty traditional, and typically an eleven o'clock traditional. Our ten forty five modern service is in a different space, and we've actually been live streaming on YouTube in that service uh, since last Palm Sunday, uh, so just under a year. So we had a lot of the technology and wherewithal and volunteer capacity to do that. In our traditional worship service, we have always put the audio recordings of sermons, and for special services, we would videotape. So for that service, when we found out that Thursday night we were going to be canceling services for Sunday, um, I worked to condense down a quick version of a service and then to film all the elements of that service. And so we we filmed it all. Um, I edited it all, and in about 20 hours of work, put it online. Um, on YouTube uh, as a premiere video so people could watch it synchronously at the same time. We talked about as a staff how that would be something meaningful to watch something knowing though you weren't with people in the same room or space as you normally were, you were all watching it roughly around the same time. And so people are commenting and saying, uh, the Johnsons are here, the Smiths are watching. Uh, and that's something I didn't expect to be so important for our people, that sense of uh, synchronous worship together, even though we were apart. It seems
0: like you have the ability to produce this kind of content to put this out to people. But so much of what I imagine people get from going to church is that physical being there. So you you found that people have been able to find that through social media. Church is a social event. So
1: for us, the difficulty, uh, has been for a lot of our older adults or people who live alone, uh, who are single or don't have kids at home, uh, that they're having a a real sense of isolation. And so using these tools online has helped us do that. Uh, One of the biggest sources of belonging that people find in Christian community is a way to sense that they're a part of something larger than themselves. And so when you can't physically feel that, it does diminish some of the sense of belonging you experience in that. Social media is not the answer to social distancing. Uh, However, there are some uh, bright spots in the use of technology there that help people to have a sense of that belonging. We're no longer filming in uh, a lot of our spaces in the church. We're no longer coming up to the office, but we're also trying to give people a sense of what it looked like. Um, We used clips from last year's Palm Sunday and last year's Easter. Uh, Spoiler alert for Easter, you're going to see some audio from previous years because we want people to have that sense of that nostalgia of a full church singing. Uh, There's nothing quite like that at Easter uh, when you're physically present in a space like that. And so that's one of the things we're anticipating this year is that sense of almost loss uh, that we're not able to gather. And how do we help people name that? Overcome that uh, and be present uh, and be well
0: where they are. do you foresee down the road your church or maybe you know the Methodist church, other churches really saying, "Hey, this is something we learned during this pandemic that worked for us. let's stay with it. We are learning so much about the ways people connect
1: for the several hundred people who watch the service live synchronously, How is it impacting their faith when we have in twenty four hours several thousand people watching one of those services on YouTube or Facebook? Uh, that is larger than our typical church attendance on a Sunday. (laughs) So how are we seeing an increase in the availability of resources for people, but also the deep need people have for some sort of spiritual community? And so I think we are learning a lot. Um, I also don't want to lose focus on uh, folks beyond our community. And so how do we do that if we can't see them because we're not out, if we're not walking the streets and bump into them? If we're not
0: seeing them come into our church doors for assistance or for worship or for just a conversation. I'm very interested in maybe this like opportunity and tension between churches m- moving online and reaching more people. But does that come at the cost of, you know, doing the face to face stuff? For us as, as physical beings, there is
1: something so important in a Christian sense that we believe in the incarnation of God in Jesus so in a space and time where we can't be physically proximal to people, when we can't shake someone's hand, we can't give someone a hug, we can't uh, give a little kid a high five, uh, I think that will have some pretty strong impacts on us as a people. And that sort of distancing um, could be a bit more normal uh, going forward as as we learn more from our scientists and public health officials. Um and I'm interested to see how that will turn out. Uh, I do have hope uh, for how we're able to learn from this experience. And then when we do eventually move back to having in-person uh, physical meetings, although they may not be the same large, giant Easter, everyone multi-age is there, how do we do things better? How do we focus on continue focusing on what is important and what is vital, what is
0: essential? You mentioned earlier that there were some people who maybe have had a little bit of of trouble or a harder time making this transition. So talk to me a little bit about some of those friction points. Yeah, so uh, we have a whole team of volunteers who have been
1: calling all of our older adult population. Uh, Anybody over 60 is getting a phone call from our church, which is a substantial number of folks in any church community, but especially a a church of around 3,000 members. That is normal. Uh, The feedback we're hearing from them is that Adapting to this new reality is difficult, and wrapping their heads around it is challenging, um, especially when they're so used to, for their entire adult lives, going to church. uh, For many of them, every Sunday. Some of them grew up in this church, uh, were baptized in this church as infants, and now they're in their 70s or their 80s. The thing we do here when we make these caring calls to check in on them is when they call this person every week and they have this conversation over the phone, they're finding out uh, that they watched both worship services online. Uh, For folks who are in care facilities and are um, in lockdown there for their own safety and health, Um, they've had the folks who are attending to them in those places uh, help them turn on YouTube on their TV and watch the service. And so there's been a remarkable willingness for many people to learn how to do this, uh, how to give online, how to set up electronic giving. All these things seem to be uh, challenging and difficult for many people, but... uh, I, I'm just grateful that they're taking the opportunity and they want to try and learn new things. I do think it will change how we do things as uh, as a church here at Oak Grove Methodist Church. I'm optimistic in a small,
0: hopeful way, but trying to figure out how to be in the midst of it. I'm also wondering, like, w- what kind of guidance you're giving people these days. Certainly, this is a trying time, um, and you know, their church community is, I'm sure, where a lot of people are turning for. Answers, comfort. So, what have you been telling people who say come to you scared or or concerned about the future? What we've heard is that our pastors being
1: online, doing Facebook Live, um, each of us does something live on Facebook each week. The thing I told our staff when I was training them to use Facebook Live and to do these things is the content is important, but it's the connection that they have with you as a pastor that matters so much more. To see someone's reassuring face, to hear their voice, to have them tell you, even in the midst of all this, we're not alone. And so that provides a kind of resilient hope for our people. Um, For me, if, if as a faith leader we can maintain that sense of care for one another, then that will be something beautiful out of this difficult, tragic pandemic. I do have hope for that. Um, I don't know when all these things will take place. uh, But if we go back to business as usual after all this, I think we'll be lesser for it.
0: Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also rate us and leave us a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If y'all haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. I'm Max Hines, executive chef at Breaker Breaker and host of Just Set, a podcast featuring the folks moving Atlanta's culinary scene forward. I've worked in restaurants for most of my life and heard countless stories from the people who make your dining experiences possible, some inspiring, some heartbreaking, all of them important. Listen as Atlanta chefs, mixologists, farmers, and more talk about opening restaurants, concocting the perfect drink, or supplying local produce, all while shining a light on challenges in the industry. W-A-B-E dot org slash Just Set or your favorite podcast platform.